Sometime when it don't want to do right, you have to go back in here on SNET. Then she'll come up. To, to, to go in and in between and post, you know what I'm saying, put that, pull those uh, things up from the quick and they can see who it is. They call them lower third. You know how to get to it? Okay. Audio, video, five, four, three, two, one. We are live. Let's give God some hand. Let's give God some praise up in the house this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray right quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father God, we want to thank you. And we want to give you all the praise and glory that our souls can muster. Father, we ask God that you will allow me to decrease while you increase in me. And let me somehow bring forth this word to you this morning, or to the people this morning, that comes from you. And Father, we ask God that you will give us all the strength. To continue on another day, we ask, Lord, that you will bless those that wanted to be here but haven't made it yet, Father God. We want you to bless those that could have made it but didn't. God, we ask, Lord, also that you will help the sick and the shut-in this morning as we go forth in your word and a kingdom knowledge. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen this morning. Amen. Let me say it like you mean it. Let the church say amen this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The title of our message this morning is The Kingdom of God is Available. The Kingdom of God is Available. And we want to start out this morning with Matthew, the third chapter, verses 1 and verses 2. Amen. Matthew verses three verses uh, chapter three verses one and verses two. The word of the Lord says that in those days came John the Baptist, and he was preaching in the wilderness of Judah. Hmm. And he was saying, "Repent ye, for." The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Church, this morning I want you to understand that John the Baptist is a representation of grace overwhelming us in the office and the discipleship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we see here that it was in those days, meaning that it was required, it is required of us that we must do some things before praise can be authentic. I want you to notice here that the word says that John the Baptist, the spirit of grace, it began 
to preach in the wilderness of Judea. Judea being praise. And I'm going to tell you something, church. The problem with the modern day church today is we are praising God in a wilderness place. In other words, our praise to God is not authentic. It's in the wilderness of praise. It's not in praise, but it's in the wilderness of praise. So so the spirit of grace is coming and, and it's trying to get us to repent because it says for the kingdom of heaven is at hand being that the kingdom of hand uh, the kingdom of god is near this wilderness that we are praising god in is the wilderness of our praise toward the things that we can get from god from the world are you with me it is a false praise It is a praise that is not authentic, neither has it been authenticated by God. And our problem is, is that we have become so complacent and so classically conditioned in this type praise that we think it's real. But the spirit of grace, which came through John the Baptist, said, wait a minute. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near, and before you can understand that is that you got to understand that we were in a place of praise in the wilderness, in a place that wasn't authenticated by God, but it was authenticated by the wishes and the crafty devices of man. And now we think that this praise that we're giving God, I call it the Santa Claus syndrome, where we never give praise to God about him just being God. But oh boy, let God give us a new pair of shoes or a new car or a new house. And don't mention money. And we will do wheelies, praising God in the wilderness of Judah. Are you with me? So, John the Baptist comes on the scene and he begins to preach. They didn't like what he was preaching. Because he was telling everybody they need to repent. Do a 180. You see, the thing about God is this. When you decide to walk on the right path with God, then the things that are the things that are right with God are already laid out on that path. The things that He has for us. Amen? Amen. We really don't have to go looking for it. All we gotta do is just walk in the right direction. And the things that we want from life 
got to allow us to have it. Because he said in his word, if you seek ye first the kingdom of God, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33, and is righteousness, and then all these other things will be added. You know all these other things that bring all this anxiety on us? You know how when God gives you a job that you only have time for the job? But when you didn't have the job, you sought God to get the job. But when you got the job, you forgot about God. And, and, and then your true God came up. Can I just preach to you this morning? You see? Then the dollar bill took over. That, 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 that's your real God. See, that's that praise that we're giving God in the wilderness of Judah. So being that the world don't want you to know any better, when we go over here to Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses 12, we see something else. Watch what has happened. Something takes place when God tries to speak to us through the spirit of grace. It says now, somebody say right now. Right. See, now is a right now thing. It's a right now time. He said, now when Jesus, which is the power and the wisdom of God, when he had heard that John was cast where? Into prison. He departed into Galilee. Well, there's some things going on here. First of all, we've got to understand that the world doesn't want to allow the grace of God to be and run free in you or me. So what does it do? It captures that spirit before it can get going. Because it doesn't want you to hear the preaching that you need to repent. We all do. And repent for the reason that the kingdom of God is at hand. So we don't, we, we don't want to... The world don't want us to hear that, and the spirit of this world doesn't want us to hear it, so it takes your mind from being focused on how good God been to us, on how God died on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we might receive his blessings and his grace. Amen? Amen. See, the world don't want you to, the world want to keep you trapped. Captured, and it thought that it could stop the preaching of repent for the kingdom of God is near. See, it, it tried to stop that, but it didn't work. It didn't work. Now, Jesus in Matthew 4, verses 12 says, Now, when Jesus heard that John was cast into prison, he departed, where did he depart? Into Galilee, meaning that he departed into the circle of the heathen, the circle of the world, see. Because after all, if we're going to have any fruit, we got to get it from the world and pull it in, right? Amen? So Jesus, he goes and he takes up <laughs> this preaching. Verse 17 says, and from that time, Jesus began and to say, repent, <laughs> for the 
kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, the enemy thought that it was going to stop the preaching of repentance. That's what the enemy thought when it captured the spirit of grace, John the Baptist. They thought that it was going to stop some things. But see, Jesus takes up the mantle. Because John the Baptist had already said, I must decrease so that he must increase. And see, that's what we need to do, church. We need to decrease from ourselves and our wishes and our wants and our desires so that God can increase in us. Do you believe that? So here's Jesus. Jesus begins to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, respectively, meaning the foundation of God is near you. Uh It's not available yet at that time. Why? Because Jesus hadn't died. We're going to deal with that. We're going to deal with that. But it was near. Luke 17, 21 tells us that The kingdom of God don't come by observation. But the kingdom of God is a spiritual thing. And the kingdom of God, it says, is within you. Amen? So it's near you, right? But it wasn't available yet. And the reason that it wasn't available yet is because Christ had not died yet. But when we go over here, We'll be quick with it. It's going to be quick. When we go over here to Matthew, the 27th chapter, verse 50 and verse 51. Matthew, the 27th chapter, verses 50 and 51. Tell me when you get there. It should be up on the board. On the monitor, rather. The Word of God says that Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he gave up the ghost, meaning that he died, okay? Next verse. Next verse, please. And behold, the veil of the temple. How many of y'all know that we are the temple? The Bible declares that we are the temple of the living God and the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us, right? All right. It says that the veil of the temple was rent in two twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks split open. Watch this. First of all, remember when he said that the kingdom of heaven is near? He didn't say that it was available. But today, it's available. Big difference from being near than being available, right? Are you with me? That veil was something that was keeping us from entering in, right? That veil was closed because of sin in our lives, okay? That's what closed the veil in the beginning. But when Jesus died, the temple, which temple we are, it was rent, meaning that it was split from the Somebody say the heavenly realm. The heavenly realm to the earthly realm, which is the bottom, you see. That thing was split. 
and the earth did quake. You see, God got to bring a shaking in us. And the rocks, you know, those hardcore thoughts, those strongholds. See, they, they, they got to be, that's why that earthquake got, that's why God will put something on us to make us understand that he is God, people. And he's not only going to tolerate our foolishness for so long before there be a divine intervention. And trust me, in God's time, there will be a divine intervention in your life and in my life. Amen? Amen. So now, where the kingdom of God used to be near us, because remember, it's inside of us, right? But now, the kingdom of God is available to us. Why? Because Christ has died. And now, the veil has been split. You know that thing that was keeping us from entering in? And now we have the option to enter right on in. Amen? Amen. Now, so Jesus goes on and he tells us in Revelation 22, verses 17. Go there with me. I'm going to be short. I'm going to be quick because I've got another date. The Bible says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Amen? Amen. The spirit of God, and we are the bride. It says, come. And let him that heareth say, come. Mm -hmm. That means go and tell somebody. (laughs) And let him that is a thirst come. Amen? Now watch this. And whosoever will. uh Uh-oh, that's a choice. See, the kingdom of God is available, but it's for whosoever will. Let them come. It's for everybody, but everybody ain't going to come. You see, it's for whosoever will. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. What the Spirit is saying to the churches, the word of the Lord says in the book of Revelation and other places. He says, whosoever will, let him, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So now, it's up to the individual. It's not up to me. It's not up to you to get anybody else. All you can do is tell them to come. You give the invitation just like the invitation is given to us. Whosoever Evidently, we that are here are part of the whosoever will let him come. But whosoever won't, they won't come no way. And if they do come, they won't stay. You see? So what we have to do is we've got to learn, like we said last week, a little in God's hand is a lot. Don't be worried about how many. You just stand your ground. Because if a one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand, what can a fifty or sixty or seventy or eighty or a hundred of them do? That's really part of the whosoever will. You see, I'd rather have five good ones than a hundred or a thousand of them that ain't true soldiers. We don't need that. 
You see, when you're at war, you don't need somebody that's going to be there for you. And you're going to be there for them. Because I'm going to tell you something. In war, everybody gets wounded at some point in time. And you need somebody to help you while you wounded and help you off the field so that you can be nurtured back instead of when you falling and they stomping over you. See, you don't need that in your life. You don't need that kind of people around you. What I'm trying to say, church, is that you need real folk that's going to walk with you on this walk. And you got to identify that which is real and that which is unreal. Not only in people, but first in yourself. Amen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go to Romans. I told you it's going to be quick. I told you that. It's going to be quick. Go to Romans eight twenty-nine. Romans, the book of Romans. 829. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, first of all, Jesus Christ is our eldest brother. He's not only our Savior, but he's also our Eldest brother, amen? Because he's the firstborn of many what? Brethren. Firstborn means that he's going to be the oldest, right? So the oldest <coughs> in the Jewish system, which we're part of, the oldest always get the best of it all. Jesus Christ received all the glory, all the honor. And then it came on down to us through him. The Bible tells us that we were foreknown by him, right? Now, now, now let me get something. Let's, let's get something straight. Because theology has really screwed this up. When the word says that God foreknew us and predestined us, that is not that God said Tom, Larry, uh, Norice, or any of the rest of us in here. That's not that he put his, his name, your name there. No. That means that God in his infinite love knew that through his work on the cross, through his son, we would be foreknown and predestined to be conformed into the image of God, right? To the image of his son. And then here's the creature, whosoever will. That's why it says in the book of Revelation, whosoever will. He didn't say anything about calling nobody names. He foreknew us because he knew that through his infinite love for us, what he was going to do on Calvary. And foreknowledge and predestined means 
God's plan beforehand. Rather than he observed each of us by name through Christ's saving grace by a way which is called whosoever will. So whosoever will are the ones that were foreknown and predestined. Amen? Those who he called and they answered the phone. See, a whole lot of people got the phone call from God. But most of them didn't answer. And some answered and hung the phone up. But God still called them. And then he called them again. And again and again. And either they'll say, well, that's God. That's a telemarketer. I don't want to answer that. Or they answer the phone and then slam it down as soon as they figure out who it is. It's called. Amen? So many are called, but few are chosen. Being called means that you got an interview. I told you that before. But just because you got the interview don't mean that you got the job. Right? Being chosen means that you got the job. Amen? That's why we're here today. And many of them aren't. Because we got the job. He called us. We answered. We went to the interview. And we got chosen. Thank God for that. Whosoever will, let him come. It's not that he foreknew us by our name. He knew us by whosoever will, let him come. That's where the foreknowing and the predestined come from. Because if you came, then this is what you're going to get. You're going to be conformed into the image of my son. Amen? So it's not about God knew way back then that you was going to be saved. God knew way back then that he was going to call all men to him because the Bible said, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, the whole world. But is the whole world saved? Nowhere near. Is the whole church saved? Is all Israel Israel? No. Only the whosoever will. So this I say unto you in closing. I tell you, I'm not going to be long today. When God calls and the divine intervention takes place, answer the call and be one that got chosen. Do not start this race and stop the race. Amen? We got to run this race, it said, with patience, the book of Romans says. The Bible says that we've got to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. And we got to run this race with patience. With patience, people. 
Because every weight is not a sin, but every sin carries a weight. And I'm going to tell you something. Sin will carry us further than we want to go. That's what sin will do. So God speaks to us this morning that his kingdom is available. Do you want it? It's right there inside you. It's right there inside you. And God has already done the work. The work is done. Now it's up to us. What are we going to do? Are we going to start it and stop it? No. We've been here too long. We take these few soldiers and we run with them. Amen? It's amazing how others can give you good advice that you latch on to, but they themselves fall short of that advice. It's amazing how people, you can't hardly get them to do nothing when they're here, but then when they go someplace else, they become do-boys and do-girls. And then they want to come back and report, well, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Yeah, you've been demoted, though. You don't even see that you've been demoted. You was up here now. And you ain't going to never get back to where you were, to that position that you had with God, because God can't trust you. You'll bail out. God can't use a coward. Y'all do know that, don't you? Gideon, he sent all the cowards home. It was 32,000. He said, all y'all that's scared, go home. 22,000 of them at one time left. All the cowards need to just go home. Because God can't use a coward. God uses soldiers. We're at a war. When Israel was coming up through the wilderness, those that were stragglers, you know, the ones that fall behind, they can't keep up. Amalek was snatching them by the way. Because, see, they were staggering out of the way. And Amalek, that warlike spirit, he likes to lick up blood. That's, that's, that's what he means. He's a blood licker. In other words, he loved to kill. He loved to spill blood. And the spirit of the world and the spirit of the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy. Destroy us. So church, I'm saying this this morning to you in my closing. Whosoever will, let him come. Make sure you're part of that whosoever will. Make sure that you continue to run this race with patience, regardless of what it is that you go through, because let me tell you something. You will not get through this without having to go through some stuff. But like I said before, and I'm going to say it again, a rose bush, before it becomes a blooming, beautiful flower, it goes through many thorns. But after it reaches the epitome of itself, it blooms. Amen? 
Now, when it blooms, it doesn't pay any attention to the thorns down there. So don't let nobody mess with you about your past. You tell them to get the hell out your face. That's what that's right. Because see, that flower, that bloom, it ain't studying about what's down there. See, that, that those thorns down there are for a reason. So that when you do bloom, when the rose does bloom, it is the thorns, the sin, the things that you've been through in life that's going to protect you. Guess what? Have you ever seen an animal eat a rose? Why do you think? It's got them thorns on it. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever looked at a cactus with all them spikes on it and seen anything eating them? Won't do it. So the very thing that tried to kill you is going to be the very same thing that protects you. They overcame by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You will never find that rose worrying about the thorns that are under it. Because now the thorns are under it. And now that which was had it in bondage at one time, keeping it from blooming. So it thought it did. But see, God, manna always falls at night. The dew always falls at night. And in the morning, you'll see what your adversity and the miscomforts has done for you in your life. You see, there's nothing wrong with being uneasy. God allows us to grow in our uneasiness. There is no growth in God in your complacency. When you don't want to be uncomfortable about something, and you don't want to deal with the uncomfortableness of something, then you're not ready to grow. You're what we call stagnant. And everybody knows stagnant water eventually stinks. And don't nothing grow in it but mosquitoes and tadpoles and things of that nature. But we need the fresh water that we can drink freely, right? The good water. The waters of life. The waters of living. You know, that true river that's flowing in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give God some praise, church. Let's give him praise up in here. Amen, 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 amen.